So uh, let's turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. As uh, you may know, the Gospel of John, uh, the 20th chapter, the second to last chapter as we have it of John's Gospel, Jesus is resurrected. It's the first day of the week. In John's account, we have Mary going to the tomb. We have Mary finding her Lord missing. She runs to Peter and John. Uh, Peter and John have a race to the tomb. Uh, John wins that race sticks his head into the tomb and finds nothing there but grave cloths. Um, Peter, as well, finds nothing but grave cloths. And and what do they do? Uh, They leave Mary and they just go back to their homes. Um, There's got to be more to that than uh, this and that, but the disciples, verse 10, go away and they go to their homes. But Mary decides to hang out. She's weeping She's concerned about her, the whereabouts of her Lord. She looks into the tomb. She sees two angels, and they want to know why she's crying. Not because they didn't know, but that happens a lot in Scripture. And they said, because they've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've laid him. She was not there because she expected Jesus to be resurrected. She was there because she was going to anoint the body. When she had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She just got that question a moment ago. She's getting the same question again. Whom are you seeking? She thinks he's the gardener. This is peculiar. Sir, if you have carried him away... In a way, I guess he did carry himself away. Tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Sure she will. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He said to her, Mary. And the moment she hears her name, she knows who she is with. Jesus said to her, (laughs) Stop clinging to me. I guess she was a little excited. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers. Say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God, and your God. And Mary Magdalene came, announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Verse 19, wherefore, therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus therefore said to them again, peace be with you. 
as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, uh, what a historic event. You rise from the dead. But you do not rise from the dead to ascend into heaven. You rise from the dead to reveal that you are alive and that you are Lord of the living and the dead. And you come to bring a commission to men and women to go forward in the power of your spirit. Father, as we gather for these few moments this morning, we need you to speak to us, Lord. We don't hope you'll speak to us. We need you to speak to us. We need to hear you. And so we pray, Father, by the power of your indwelling spirit, open the eyes of our understanding that we would know the hope to which we have been called, that we would know to you we are a rich inheritance, and that we would walk in, that we would walk in the incomparably great power that is ours who believed, the very same power, Lord, that you've exercised when you raised Jesus from the dead. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's, it's a fascinating thing that I am confident when the saints pick their starting team for next year and any other professional team picks, picks their starting team next year, uh, they will not be looking for people or men that are hiding behind a locker room door. They're going to be looking for men that are busting out of a door and wanting to be used greatly. They want to be on the field. They want to be in the struggle. They want to be in the conflict. They want to be in the battle. They've trained for it. They've been genetically built for it. They've got a heart for it. They're called to this task. But not Jesus. He picks a bunch of cowards who are hiding behind a door. (laughs) They're hiding because they're afraid the Jews are going to find them. They could come busting through the door at any moment. But Jesus doesn't have any concern about a door. So who should we fear? Romans who may be able to bust down doors or Jews that may be able to bust down doors or God who doesn't care if there's a door there or not and just shows up. And what is the very thing he tells them? (laughs) Chill. Okay. Peace be with you. Now, Now, the last time 
these disciples had seen Jesus or Jesus had seen these disciples, what were the circumstances? Jesus was seeing, if you will, I'll say that kindly, backsides and elbows. Thank you for those of you who know what I'm talking about. They were running from him. The last time they're seeing Jesus, they're either denying him or running from him. I'm thinking, oh, he is here to do me in. He is here to get even with me for the way in which I rejected him, betrayed him, acted as if I had no idea who he was. But he says, peace be with you. And then he repeats himself. Peace be with you. And then he says the unthinkable. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In the same way in which my Father sent me to earth to proclaim the kingdom, I am sending you to proclaim the kingdom. Yes, you are afraid. But in spite of your fear, I am sending you as my father sent me. So I want to take a couple of minutes here today. And I've got some, obviously we are on the heels of another alpha, a 34th alpha beginning. And I want to encourage us today that, that now is the time for us, if we were to participate in this opportunity God gives us to share the gospel, today is the day to invite people. Tomorrow is the day to invite people. Why? Because as the Father sent Jesus to proclaim the kingdom, he sent us to proclaim the kingdom. Not just to come to an alpha course, but God has given us that tool. And we should use that tool. Now, I don't have handouts for you. I apologize for that. So, but we're going to run through some scriptures here that I, I want us to, in the very short time we have, I'm going to keep us in the Gospel of John a little bit here. But let's turn to John chapter 3. Verse 34. This is John the Baptist speaking. Because what, what I want us to have, what I need to have, what you and I need to have stuck in our brains is this. As... The Father sent him. He sent and sending us. John chapter 3 verse 34. And forgive me, I'm reading from the New American Standard because I'm a renegade. I don't mean to, so. <laughs> Any other rebels in the room? Okay, you're just lazy like me. You don't want to change the Bible you've been using for decades. This is John the Baptist speaking, verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. What he has seen and heard, of that he bears witness. What he has seen and heard, of that he bears witness. And no man receives his witness. He who has received his witness has set his seal to this, that God is true. Verse 34. For he whom God has sent 
speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Back to verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. As the Father has sent me, Jesus tells his disciples, so I send you. We can't just say this is John speaking of Jesus because as the Father sent Jesus, he sends us. And so for us we can say, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the spirit without measure to empower that one to speak the words of God. So this morning, I just, just, I just asked you a question real quickly here. Has God sent you? Has God sent you? Has God called you? Now really, now think about this for a moment. If this word is true, because we just, we just read that a second ago, uh, um, verse 33, God is true, we've received his witness, set a seal that God is true. If God has sent us, he has empowered us by the Spirit to declare this truth. None of us gets a pass from this. We don't get a pass because we're shy. We don't get a pass because we're just not as well equipped in the word. God has sent you or he has not called you. Do you see that? If you have not been sent, you have not been saved. I don't want to sound too much like Peter here, Gene, so catch me if I start getting... It's okay? I can't do that. It wouldn't be possible. Now, and I don't say this in, for some obligatory thing we must do. But our joy is made complete in Christ. See, because he, you've, you've heard this, because he gave his life for us to give his life to us, to live his life through us, as sent ones, as ones whom he has called to declare how great he is. And so, mark this, God has sent us to speak his words, for he has given us his spirit without measure. Do you know how I know he's given us a spirit without measure? Because Paul tells the Ephesians he has done that. Even just Ephesians 3, we read that this God who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond anything you can ask or even imagine according to his power which is at work within you, I mean, exceeding abundant beyond what we can ask or imagine sounds measureless to me. So that to him would be the glory in his church 
which is in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. John 13, verse 20. If any of your fingers get, get cramps today because you're not used to turning pages now because you have a cell phone, I, I apologize. We'll pray for you. Um, verse 20, chapter 13, of, uh, pardon, verse 20 of chapter 13, whatever I was saying, pay no attention. Chapter 13, verse 20. I just want to make sure you're awake. Truly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Could we just let this scripture set down in our hearts for just a second? Do you hear what this is saying? If someone receives you, they have received the Lord Jesus If they have rejected you, they have then rejected the Lord Jesus. He who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Let's just be overwhelmed by that for a moment. Jesus is telling us that when we go, he goes. Because we are purveyors of the God of glory speaking his words, showing his power, living his life, loving as he loves. John 17. This, you may recall, Jesus' last prayer as we have recorded John, his time with his father before he is to be crucified. John chapter 17, verse 18. In verse 17, verse 16, let me jump up there. They are not of the world. Jesus is speaking of his disciples. Even as I am not of the world, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you did send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I... I set myself apart, I sanctify myself, that they, may, they themselves also may be set apart or sanctified in truth. Now, here's, here's where we come in, verse 20. I do not ask in behalf of these alone. I'm not just talking about these few that are with me, but for those also who believe in me through their word, Why? Verse 21, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you did send me. And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, 
just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know you did send me and did love me, them even as you did love me. See, verse 18 tells us, Lord, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world by the power of your spirit so that the world will know me through their testimony. And one of the greatest testimonies that we see here is what we find in verse 23. Look at this again, because this is so important. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. Why? Why? What does it say? That the world may know you sent me. Now I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go on a little bit of a side here. But this is so important for us as we think about not just individual evangelism, but corporate evangelism, corporately expressing the life of Christ. This unity that Jesus has created, you understand, we don't create unity. You, you, you see that. None of us create unity. The cross created unity. Paul says to the Ephesians, do everything in your power to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So that they would be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you did send me and did love them even as you love me. Just one of the most exciting things about, um, about Alpha and about anything we do together as believers is that we see Jesus' prayer answered. I love the fact that when we do this Alpha course twice a year, we see well over 120 people from this congregation come together week in and week out for one purpose, that God is glorified, that Jesus' name is proclaimed. And people know that we're his disciples, John 13, by the way, we are Loving one another, they see that unity and it declares what? The Father sent the Son. That unity creates something more powerful than you and I can imagine. It creates a power for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forth in marvelous ways. And have we not seen the fruit of that year after year after year? Soul after soul after soul. And so, this great work, of, he sends us. See, when Jesus comes, he comes in the power of the Spirit, sent by the Father in unity. Father, Son, Spirit in unity. And now it's Father, Son, Spirit, and the church in unity. So that a dark world sees a living Christ glorified. As he, the Father, sent Jesus. He sends us. He sends us. I want us to look at just at Luke 10. Just for a moment. Luke chapter 10. Verse 2. Earlier on in Jesus' ministry, 
as he's about to send out the disciples to do amazing things. Verse 2, he says, And he was saying to them, his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech. Therefore, cry out to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the Lord is saying, I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. Now, they're basically praying for themselves here. They may not know it yet, but they're praying for themselves. This is a setup prayer. And, and so he's praying that he would do this. Now, what happens right before this? It's interesting to get a context of the scripture. What took place right before Jesus is about to send out these 70? Well, let's just kick up to what we call chapter 9. Just for sake of time, let me just go to verse um, oh, 57. Let's read that. And he was going along the road. Someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, well, first, could I just go and bury my dad? He's not dead yet, really, but I got to hang around long enough for that to happen. Verse 60, but he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And then he goes directly into the empowering and the sending of those 72. Now, I read that, and when I read the passage before it, like I just read it to you, I'm thinking, Lord, how many times do I cover up the anointing and the sending that you have placed upon my life to go out and to be who I am. How many times do I allow the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the care for other things? How many times do I allow allow my cowardice, oh my goodness, to hold me back using natural excuses to not simply be sent as Jesus was sent in the power of the Holy Spirit? In identifying with this Jesus, we identify that we are not of this world. That we have been called to something so high and so glorious. There is no greater news than anyone will ever receive. The NFL could have said, nope, we're calling it all off. There was a penalty there and we're reversing everything. The saints will win. That would have, we, we'd all be excited about that, wouldn't we? Yeah. But that doesn't even compare to what we're talking about here. The greatest news of all. And the greatest prayer 
pray the Lord of a harvest to send forth laborers into his harvest field. Do you know those apostles were praying for you and me? Do you know those apostles were praying for everyone who would call the name of Jesus? We are the answer to that prayer because we are sent ones. It's how we're identified. Let's turn to 1 Peter 2, a passage that we're familiar with. But maybe the passages that we are familiar with are the ones we understand the least in our experience. I've memorized this passage as I have memorized Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. This life I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. Are you impressed by the fact that I didn't have to look at my Bible to... No? Thank you, Cliff. Um, but I am not sure I know what in the world that means, really. I, I could tell you theologically what it means, but can I tell you practically from the outflow of my life what that means? Here's another one. First Peter 2, 9. Okay, now remember, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. But you... You, talking to us here, Lakeview this morning, hear this, hear him calling you by name. You, Sarah, you, Kevin, you, Bogdan, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, or people of God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, because we are chosen, because we are royal, because we are priests, because we are holy, because we belong to God, because of all these things, That means we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, into Christ, to do what? To show how amazing he is. To show how glorious he is. To show how preeminent he is. To show that there is nothing on this earth that compares to the God and the lover and the Savior, and the Father that he is. And he made us who we are to be through us who he is to declare deliverance, recovery, freedom. And there's nobody else on this earth that can do that but you. And me. Because there's no other name given in heaven among men whereby they must be saved. For the Father sent him and he sent you. He sent me. Second Corinthians 5. For I'm used to Alpha calling out a page number for a Bible here. I keep expecting. 
We'd have a bunch of numbers called out. Second Corinthians five. Okay, starting in verse fourteen. Okay, just again, just just hear this. All right, I I I, I say this a lot because I need to hear things I've read a lot. Because I don't listen a lot when I've read something a lot. So hear this. For the love of Christ controls us, or some say compels us, or some say constrains us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all. That they who live should no longer live for themselves, but to live live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no man according to the flesh. I don't have time to unpack that as much as I could. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us Gave us, we who are the royal priesthood, the holy nation, people of God, possession of God, that us right there. All these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. He gave it to us, came with the package, the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were entreating through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. What are we we called here? We're called alive. We're called lovers of Christ. We're called new creations. We're called reconciled ones. We're called the righteousness of God. And by that, we have become ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors of Christ. See, this Christ who lives in us has, by the power of God's Spirit, made us this. And though we are afraid at times, Jesus says, do not be afraid. But Lord, I am afraid. He says, peace be with you. Because he is our peace now. And he tells us that for many reasons, but in the context of what I'm sharing with you this morning, he says this 
because he wants his prayer answered. He wants many to come to himself. And he has called you and me his sent ones, his anointed ones. The ones who go forth as Jesus did for this purpose. Now, now, now hear the, the gravity of this. Be sobered by this. He called us for this purpose to destroy the works of the evil one. Do you and I do that? You bet we do that. But do we do that in our own power? Get ready to get (laughs) kicked. But in for this purpose, the Son of God was revealed. To destroy the works of the evil one. And as he was sent by his father to destroy the works of the evil one. Guess what? He has sent us to destroy the works of the evil one. 1 John 3, 8. Oh. That we this morning would hear afresh. This call of our Father, this work of His Spirit, and say, Father, here am I. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and I'll close with this. Acts 1 8. But you. Shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Now, let me read that again with a little more emphasis. But you shall receive power. It doesn't say you may receive power. One in ten will receive power. He says, You shall receive you shall receive power. Power, dunamis, the same power which raised Jesus from the dead is the power that you and I receive. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. The question I will ask and for us to pray is what is your Jerusalem What is your Judea? What is your Samaria? What are your uttermost part of the earth? Now, think about that. Think in terms of circles here. My Jerusalem is my home. My Judea is my neighborhood, my workplace. My Samaria may be to people that I don't have any connection with whatsoever. You remember what Jews thought of half-breeds. Samaritans. And maybe there's a mission field into the world. But we know there is a Jerusalem. And we know there is a Judea. And we know there is a Samaria. And we have received this spirit. In the joy of Jesus Christ. 
in our oneness with him, in our oneness with one another, to declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Family, as the Father has sent Jesus in the power of the Spirit, he has sent us because we have received the Spirit. Therefore, we have received power to be Holy Spirit-filled witnesses to declare the truth, the only truth, whereby men can and must be saved. And he's chosen the likes of us to do that. (laughs) What was he thinking? He knows exactly what he was thinking. And he loves us deeply and desires for us to share in that very glory. He desires for us to share in that pleasure and that joy that he receives when one turns from their sins and turns to him. And there is no greater news than that. There is no greater joy than that. And could there be any greater privilege than that? To turn one from an eternal hell to a Christ-filled heaven. Now, let's pray. Father, I'm reminded of the thing I heard statement that God does not call the qualified and that was clear in that locked room but he qualifies the called thank you for calling us thank you for qualifying us thank you for anointing us thank you for filling us with your spirit that we can be about In Christ and Jesus, you can be about in us the declaration of freedom for the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. And so, Father, we would just come this morning individually and corporately and say, Father, here we are. Lord, forgive my cowardice, Lord. Forgive my allowing the things of this world to stand in the way of my living in the abundant life that you have provided and given. Lord, may we be walking, talking, living, breathing billboards of this walking, talking, living, breathing Christ so that those who are dead in their sins would be raised to life. Here we are, Father. Send us. Here we are, Father. You have sent us. And we are so thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.